Hello and welcome to the Two Shelves of Gaming podcast, the podcast dedicated to role-playing games, war games and adventure board games. And I'm your host, Tom. Well, I thought I would try to cram in a podcast before Christmas is upon us. I can feel the day is getting busier and busier and shorter and shorter. So I thought, you know what, I'll try and do one final push before uh, before Christmas is here. And I'll uh, try and say some hopefully sensible words on the hobby that we all love. So I thought I would uh, I would follow on from uh, from last week's episode by saying what I've been doing in the meantime. And I have been busy in my own sort of low-level, tinkering way with my hobby. I have done quite a bit of wargaming. I have been playing the Anglo-Zulu War with my Hat Industry and House of Campaign 172 scale minis that I mentioned last time. I was initially using the rules, the men who would be kings. I can't remember if I mentioned that last time or not. And it was fun. The men who would be kings is a very straightforward rule set. It's, it's very easy to learn and it's got a solo play component. Uh, I think my only criticism, if it is a criticism, is when you, have a, when you have smaller scale minis, it's one of those games where you're expected to roll one die per mini. So I had, I think I had something like 30 uh, British soldiers split up into two units and maybe that much plus a bit more Zulus who kept appearing every now and again according, according to the solar rules. So every time there was a, uh, every time the, the British shot their rifles or the Zulus attacked, it meant masses and masses of dice being rolled. And while that is kind of satisfying, it kind of gets a bit annoying after a while because you know, this, this immense handful of dice that you can barely cup, it's like trying to hold water in your hands, you know, it's, it just got a bit much. So what, instead of tinkering with those rules, like I say, they're fine rules, but I think they're more designed for uh, 28 millimeter, kind of smaller, smaller, uh, scale games perhaps I uh, flipped through my black powder rule book which I, uh, I picked up early last year and I thought they were much better for that scale of mini and that size of game now that's despite black powder being designed for huge games you know it's, it's designed for grand sweeping Napoleonic games or American Civil War games etc etc I found it worked really well for this the relatively small amount of minis I had on the table because instead of rolling one die per mini, you might only roll you might only roll three dies per unit, and that's it. And so, you know, and something not so dissimilar when you're when you're in hand to hand. You know, you're not doing one one per one roll rolling of dice, and you're not kind of extracting individual minis. No, it doesn't work like that. It's it, it's a much uh, straightforward system, and you know, it worked really well with my small amounts. So I'm, I'm going to develop my kind of black powder one seven two Anglo Zulu war. A bit more and I did some painting as well I have uh, one of the minis that I stripped a while ago uh, was a mini I have no idea how I got hold of this one I, I'm not sure if it's from that gigantic job lot my my mum got me years ago or whether it's something from the dark recesses of my uh, my my collection from from back in the day but I didn't know what it was I mean, it was a lead mini or a metal mini with a very thin base. You know, you, you could just about stand it up if it was on a very, very flat surface, like like a coffee table or something. But any kind of wobble or if you'd put it down too heavy, it would just clunk over. And there was no um, there was no design or year on the underside of that very small base. So I couldn't tell who it was or what it was, who made it, whether it was supposed to be tied into a game system, etc., etc. And I couldn't even tell 
what it was and by that I couldn't really tell if it was a human or a beast man, some chaos creature. And the reason is the face was quite garish. The face kind of reminded me of, if you ever see the Maoris do that hacker dance, the way they kind of really widen their eyes and you know stick their tongue out. The face was, was really like that, you know, which is fine, that's human, but then the kind of hair, hair coming down from the cheeks was really, really long. It kind of looked like one of the Almond Brothers, if anyone knows the Almond Brothers. So, yeah, you had this, you had this beast man stroke human stroke Greg Almond character with incredibly long sideburns, or it could just be hair growing from his face like a werewolf. So I couldn't tell what it was, but I'm, I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him a Chaos Beast Man, and hey, be done with it. Anyway, I painted him up. He looked really cool. And then I painted up some of my, or rather one of my Grenadier goblins that I stripped as well um, a, a while ago. And as I was painting the Grenadier, I kind of had a, a one of those time shifts I mentioned. And that time shift was, I found it just as tricky to paint now as I did when I was 13. You know, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to handle this miniature as an experienced painting veteran. I'm going to, I'm going to bag this sucker. Oh yeah. And I found some parts just really, really difficult. You know, I, I painted up, I painted it up black. I gave it a black undercoat and some parts of it were just, I can't tell what's going on. You know, I could make out, it's, it's got a backpack or rather a, a quiver of arrows. It's got a crossbow strapped to its back. It's got some strap going across its uh, shoulder. It's got this kind of weird helmet that looks, actually the, the, the miniature's head looks like Freddie Mercury. He's kind of, if you look at it closely under the microscope, I, I wish I could, um, provide a clear photo but you'll just have to do theatre of the mind on this one it's got quite a he has quite a strong jutting jawline just like Freddie Mercury did in, in especially in the 1970s and he's kind of got this helmet which when it was painted black it looked like a mullet hairstyle just like Freddie Mercury had so as I was painting this goblin I thought were you sculpted after Freddie Mercury circa night at the opera anyway the clothes on, on its front were very hard to paint because i couldn't tell what it what was going on so i just kind of gave it a gray sear undercoat and just blobbed on some um i think it was snake bite leather contrast paint and hoped for the best and it worked okay and one of the reasons i wanted to get these two minis painted i was uh, i was having a little thing with my fantasy skirmish gaming and i was uh, I, I was kind of flip-flopping between two rules i was flip-flopping between using Warhammer Skirmish. Now Warhammer Skirmish appears in Warhammer 6th edition, which is a book I only got relatively, well not relatively recently, but I got it long after the fact on, on eBay for a very small amount. And I just bought it because I wanted to have a, a, a Warhammer book. You know, I've already got 2nd edition, which doesn't make any mention of skirmishing. Uh, but the Warhammer book has a few appendices at the end, and one of, one of which is Skirmish, which is, it's, it's very simple. You know, I, th I think it's the, the, the same mechanic as um, Mordheim, which is something I've never really played. But, you know, you're just rolling one die, depending on what happens, you, you either stun your opponent, knock them out, knock them over, that, that kind of thing. I don't think Skirmish was ever a game that was, um, was too widely supported by, by, by a Games Workshop. I vividly remember a long time ago, and I'm talking 2002, when I was, I was, I was fortunate enough to work on the World Cup in Korea in 2002. I was a technician and I was working on the broadcast of it. And part of, and my, my workstation was in the mobile headquarters of the Korean Telecom building. 
And to cut a long story short, I was able to just doss around on the internet all day. And um, <laughs> all I did was look at Warhammer Skirmish <laughs> on the internet all day. And uh, I remember them talking about it. There was some kind of, you know, th th this is almost 20 year old internet here. So it was kind of clunky, but you know, I, I enjoyed kind of reading what they had to say. And there was some kind of skirmish supplement book released, which is easily available on the internet that outlines what you do and um, some scenarios. But I, you know, I don't think that's it. I've never seen anything else about Warhammer Skirmish. I, I guess maybe they kind of put everything into more time because it's probable that more time is one of those games that you can fall down a rabbit hole getting your, your, your rules and your supplements and your figures and your scenery, etc., etc. Maybe Skirmish was li a little bit too simple and didn't require the same kind of uh, monetary investment as they would have liked from, uh, say, your 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 40k or fantasy gamer so maybe it was just kind of uh, discontinued but anyway I was playing that and I found it a lot of fun uh, the only thing I, I kind of didn't like and this is quite superficial I had to flip back and forth between the pages to uh, figure out the combat results and also I don't have any of the um, the army books that would give you stats for say chaos beastmen or chaos warriors or, or the goblins I was using so I was just kind of using the very basic one-line stats it has in the back of the book which you know was it was okay but it would have been nice to have a bit more colour and description to the armies. So that was good. And then the other rule set I was using are things, something called one-page rules. And I think they're not so old, these guys. I think they came out in, in the last couple of years. In fact, let me lean over, probably with the sound of much wire rustling. Here we go. One-page rules. Let's see what it says about years and things on it. Uh, no, I, I can't seem to see, can't seem to see it. Uh, a date on it but one page rules are essentially rules light wargaming rules for science fiction and fantasy and you can either do skirmish or mass battles in both of those genres slash periods so they're they're essentially a kind of very light version of 40k there's no open license not the, not that you'd expect it from games workshop but they're doing their own thing. They've got different stats, but they're kind of coming from the the the, the, the Games Workshop Warhammer 40k uh, sensibility. And the big difference is in, instead of looking at your figures, let's say weapon skill and comparing it to another weapon skill, and then doing toughness and doing except and doing all that, you just look at what your the quality of your troop is. So if, if it's five plus, that's how much it takes to hit. And then if you've hit that, you, you see what the defensive value of your opponent is, and then they roll for that, or you roll for that, and that's it. So it's, it's very simple. And, you know, it, 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 it had an, I had a few little games, you know, rolling it, and, and it's a D6-based system, and it was very straightforward, very, very simple. You know, I, I downloaded, I should say, this is free if I haven't said that already. This is free. It's easily downloadable and printable. I'll put a link in the, uh, in the description. And it was great fun just to, uh, you know, have some minis moving around the table, rolling some dice, you know, trying to just uh, get some objective markers. And it's something I'd like to, uh, exp you know, explore further. You know, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a great little thing. And still simmering, simmering away at the back of my mind is my, is my plan, which hasn't happened yet, to try and convert Bloodbath at Orcs Drift into some kind of 10 millimeter campaign for my Pendragons, but I haven't quite done that. And I think the main reason is I haven't got enough 10 millimeter scenery. 
I've got scenery which is kind of omni-scale or scale agnostic if, if there's such a thing you know I've got hills which you can use for that I've got some kind of clumps of bushes which are, which could either be little bushes if you're playing in 28 mil or gigantic overgrown fields if you're playing in 10 millimeter but what I don't have and what I do have a, a fondness for is trees I, I have about I have a few 10 millimeter trees and I I'm tempted to make some more but what I don't want to do is go down a rabbit hole of making loads of trees you know because it, it's very easy for me to just kind of fall down a, a crafting rabbit hole of making a load of scenery and, that, and it always detracts me from um, actually playing the hobby so what I might do is just actually have to settle with the the few 10 millimeter trees I have which is probably going to be enough and the last big news in what I've been up to was I have a big piece of wood no pun intended last weekend or weekend before last I was dropping my daughter off at her gymnastics and as I was uh, walking past the building I had noticed that the uh, some some large delivery had been made I think it, it looked like some kind of air conditioning unit had been delivered it had been unpacked taken into the building and the wooden packing material had been just left to be picked up by the by the municipal authorities and uh, the packing material was very large pieces of uh, chipboard. I, I, I call it chipboard. I'm not sure if that's what everyone else calls it, but it's, it's a very nice piece of wood. It's about two and a half feet by maybe four feet. So it's quite long. You know, it's, it's very rectangular, but it's, it's just improved my, uh, my gaming surface area by, by a few percent. Yes, I could have at any time gone to my local hardware store and bought the same thing, but just seeing it there, just switched on the part of my brain which never never switches off really and I call that the war game side of my brain so even though it was a miserable rainy day I was taking my daughter to the gymnastics you know I was all wrapped up against the elements I saw a piece of wood and I go oh yeah I can use that for war gaming so I, I dutifully picked it up and uh, shoved it on the car rack and took it home so I will at some point do it do something with it I'll surface it I'll paint it but it's just nice that I can now kind of expand my gaming into uh into a larger surface, albeit a very rectangular one. Okay, so that's what I've been up to, and that, that took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. Now, what I wanted to talk to today, I'd like to talk about two different subjects, if, if possible. The first subject I want to talk to you about is, it's another weird one, it's kind of following on from, from last week. I want to talk to you about dice obsession or dice addiction. Okay, now what on earth am I talking about? Well, if you're like me and you've been gaming for a long time, it's, it's entirely feasible that you have a very large selection of dice. Dice of all shapes, all sizes, in various shakers, cups, bowls, decorative objects, etc., etc. Now, I'm not entirely sure where this discussion is going to take us or take me. And um, I mean, I, I have a few dice in front of me to try and you know, get the juices flowing to maybe I'll pick up a few in the, what do they call it? Kinetic learning will, um, will, 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 will kind of inspire me to say a few, to a few words or take me down an alleyway. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, okay, a, a lot of war gamers and gamers, they talk about having loads of books. They talk about having loads of minis, but what I've never heard are them talking about having loads of dice and, and <laughs> having some kind of joking shame about it. Now, I think dice are, are they're an integral part of the hobby because let's face it, if there's no dice, you're, you're going to struggle to play a game. I'm sure there's some app where you can, you can have like virtual dice or there's 
there's even electronic things that they released in the in the 70s and the 80s i think Dra dragon bone was one of them which was this weird thing you press a button and it gives you a number one to ten on, on some kind of light board but actual physical plastic dice or wooden dice or metal dice even i think they are very very essential to the hobby they are the the unsung heroes of the hobby and they are something that i have an incredible collection of and i think my my collection my obsession with collecting and dice but just my obsession with them or my my strong interest you know i'm not a weirdo honest starts the day i got into gaming and that was the day i moved to a new school and it was and it was recess or break time i just turned around and there were some of my classmates uh, playing a game of dnd and I vividly remember one of them picking up a D8, throwing it down on the table and uh, calling out the damage on, on, on the fight they were doing. And I just was fascinated by the whole ensemble of what was happening. You know, I was looking at people having this interactive conversational game. There was this really cool map. There, was, there were these amazing descriptions of monsters and fighting. And to kind of get the gears turning, to get the game flowing, dice would be rolled. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So all those things kind of came together and crystallized in me. And from that day onwards, or rather when I got into gaming, I've, I've just always loved the dice that games come with. I mean, I still, I still have the original dice I got with my Redbox D&D, the one with the, is it the Easley cover where there's that kind of barbarian fighting the dragon. I still have those dice, the ones that used to, you used to have to put the crayon marking in. In fact, the... <laughs> The game, not only not only did the game come with dice, but it came with the crayon to mark it off. And I still have them somewhere. They're, they're very cracked in places. And I, I guess the materials were not cheap, but considering it's been 40, yeah, almost, almost 40 years since I got that game, you know, they're holding it really well. I used to say to myself that I can, I can pick up a dice and remember where I got it and, um, and where I was and, you know, what was going on. And, Maybe that was true at some point, but I think I think my memory might, might be failing at some point, you know, and I'm, I'm, my memory's not as good as it used to be. But dice are something that are they're very emotional as well. They're very emotional objects. And by that, I mean, if you're, let's say, if you're just playing a war game, if you're a war gamer, role playing gamer, whatever, logically, you only need one set of dice. Let's say you're playing D&D, you, you only need one set of polyhedrals. Sure, you know, every player who comes to the table can bring their own. That's fair enough. If you're playing a war game, if, if you're playing a D6-based war game, you might only need 10 or 20 dice. That's it. They will last you for your whole career, so long as you don't lose them or, or they get destroyed some, some way. But I know lots of people just love buying dice. And I remember vividly when I was I went to the Crisis um, Wargaming convention in Antwerp a few years ago, and one one it's it's held in a in some kind of bunker or old warehouse right on the river. Is it shelled that goes through Antwerp, an old kind of harbor industrial location, huge building, and one kind of third of that building during the Crisis convention is given over to secondhand. People start, you know, the bring and buy area, they call it, you know, where people bring in their old games, their old books, minis, and they sell them secondhand. And I, you know, I, I, and I have great fun going, going to this part of the crisis, because for me, it's like a dream come true. It's, it's like, it's like a gigantic thrift store that only sells role-playing games and war games. You know, it's heaven. Anyway, I, I just, I was getting little bits and pieces. I wasn't picking up much because I have enough anyway. And I, I, I got some nice little grey dice that I'd never seen before from some guy, from some um, Flemish guy who was selling them. 
and he and he was trying to get me to buy them all. And I said, no, I've, I've got enough. I've got enough. And he, and he jokingly said, you can never have enough dice. And uh, that kind of still rings with me today. Yeah, he's true. You can never have enough dice. But th that's an illogical thing to say because, yes, you can. You, you only need so many dice to play a game. But why do we keep buying them? I don't know. Is, is it because we think if we buy a new set, they'll bring us more luck than the last set? Possibly. Or is it we just like, you know, shiny, pretty things? I mean, I'm looking, I've, I've got, um, I'm looking at some D6s right now in front of me. They're on a, I don't know what the proper word is. It's a circular dice tray. Oh, what, you know what? I don't even know what this is called. It's, um, it's something for rolling your dice in. It's, it's circular and it's got a kind of felt base to it so that your dice stay within that, that, that circle. They don't, they don't kind of jump out. It makes a makes a you know not disagreeable sound here's the sound of it there we go oh double threes that's curious I'll, I'll look up what it's called and I'll, I'll put it in the description and i've got three three sets of d6s i've got some some actually how big are they because i know dice are often described by the size and they and it's usually described in millimeters so these are 15 millimeter dice with rounded edges the first pair are plain white with black pips and I got those in a local store here in the Netherlands called Action. And you can, and they're quite high quality, I have to say. They're pretty hefty, they're pretty big. And I got, you know, you get, you get I think you, get, you can buy 10 for 50 cents, which is nothing. You know, the Netherlands is quite an expensive country. In fact, dice can be quite expensive, full stop. But to get 10 good quality dice for 50 cents, actually 49, is an absolute bargain. Then next to those, I have some deep purple dice hey richie blackmore they're kind of they've got swirls in them i i think i think these might, these might be described as ice cream i've heard that description where, where you've got kind of um kind of cloudy looking dice i'm going to call them purple ice cream dice they're also rounded also 15 millimeter with um with lilac pips and i got those in boston usa i bought those in um in the university district near harvard there was this really cool game shop it was a lovely game shop it sold all sorts of stuff it sold war games dice kind of uh, card sets i don't think i saw any role-playing games though to be honest but you know never mind um i saw some great war games that i should have got hold of but i was only traveling with cabin luggage but so i didn't get any can't remember the name of the uh, the shop in Boston, but that was a that was a curious visit because I was there for a friend's wedding. I was taking the photos. I was taking the photos on some on some ancient film, as in thirty five millimeter camera. He actually loaded it with stuff. And while I was in Boston, I hooked up with the Boston chapter of the American Doctor Who Appreciation Society, which was which was a lot of fun actually. I I just looked I just looked them up online and I said, Hey, I'm in Boston next week. Or whenever let's watch some doctor <laughs> which is what we did it was weird but it was fun it was very fun and the other set of dice i've got there are some also 15 millimeter they're kind of red swirly i guess we'd call it the red ice cream i i guess you know i i need to look up some kind of catalog of these dice and see exactly what the descriptions are anyway they're kind of red swirly and they've got gold pips and I got those in the town of Bonhard in southern Hungary um, a few months ago when I was there over the summer. So we have three dice. They all look different, albeit they are D6s. They were bought years apart. The first set were bought in 2003 or four. 
the second set were bought in 2014 or 15 and the last set were bought 2021 so you know quite a good spacing of dice there and of course before between and after them I, I have still bought dice but I think I bought these dice for varying reasons the two dice I bought in Boston I just bought them for the sake of it I thought they look really pretty I will use them for something and I, actually uh, there might have been a little bit of 40k influence there because I bought those I think I bought them around the time I was uh, actively playing Warhammer 40k a lot and even though 40k isn't kind of the game I naturally go to you know I was playing in a group and that, that's the game we played most I think I might have bought that for some reason or bought those dice for some reason the white dice I got for, for as part of a pack of 10 for 49 cents they were probably bought when I was uh, living in quite Spartan surroundings or Spartan accommodation, I don't, know if, I don't know if that's the right word, when I had relocated to the Netherlands back in 2014, I, I, I didn't have any of my gaming stuff with me at all. I think the only, the only gaming stuff I, I, I had was that which I bought while in the Netherlands, and that was this, the uh, Hat Industry 172 British Infantry, and I just bought the dice to go with them, thinking, okay, maybe... I'll have a little game with someone at some point and, and, and I'll just bring my, I'll just bring those minis, you know. You know, I bought the dice to complement those minis. And the, the dice I bought in Hungary this summer, they were bought specifically for playing game books with. So, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm making a ritual of buying dice. Okay, I will buy these dice and I'll play it with that game. Or I've bought this game and I'll play it with this dice. And, you know, and it's the same for, you know, role-playing games. You know, I've um, I've bought dice to kind of commemorate the wrong word, but just to you know to say, hey, you know, <laughs> I need a new pair of dice. I, I've got a new role-playing game. It's almost like people who I don't know. You, you you start a new job, or you're going somewhere special. You'll buy a new pair of shoes. You know, you don't you don't you maybe, you maybe don't need to do that, but a lot of people do. You know, it's just this kind of okay, new start, new beginning, <laughs> new dice. And um, that, that's kind of my, my dice obsession writ large, you know, buying them all the time. Even so, even though I've, I'm kind of saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it with this game, that game may never happen. So in many ways, I'm kind of making excuses just to buy dice, but ain't that what we all do, huh? Now, at the moment, a lot of my dice are in, I wouldn't say storage, but they're in, a, they're in a large box in my man cave. They're in one of the recesses in one of my two shelves. They're in a, a large plastic box. And in that box are other containers and other little Tupperwares or, or things where they're, where they're further partitioned in. But it wasn't always like this. In fact, years and years ago when I lived in a small flat, I would actually put my dice out on display. I used to have these very large decorative vases or vases and I would just fill them up with dice and I'd just leave them out there on display. You know, it's like, it was, it, was, it was a weird comfort thing. You know, it was almost like a lava lamp for people. You know, I, I, would just kind of, I would just kind of think, ah, there's my dice, all this good in the world. But there were also talking points because, you know, sometimes guests would come to the house and they would say, what's that? And I'd say, it's dice. And they'd say, but they've got different sides. They've got more than six sides. And um, it would be a great talking point because people would say, an eight-sided dice, what on earth do you use that for? And I would just talk to them about wargaming and role-playing games. And, you know, some of them would be generally interested. But even if they weren't interested in what they were used for, just the, um, the decorative appeal of them was, was, was talking point enough. 
And as I'm sure many of you know, some dice can be very, very easy on the eye. I mean, I'm looking at a, a blue gem die now. It's a D8. I actually got this with a kid's game. But, but given, that, given that my two daughters don't always look after their games so well and things can end up getting destroyed quite easy, I said to myself, okay, I don't care if you destroy the cards in the game or the board, but I'm taking this dice. And then there is me dropping it back in with some other dice. As war game and role-playing game purchases go, they can be very, very cheap. Or they are cheap, let's face it. You can get a, a single die, even a very nice gem die for, for pennies or maybe a euro or whatever it is in, in, in your locale. And that kind of keeps, in, in a very tenuous way, that kind of keeps your hand within the hobby. It's something accessible, you can just pick it up, take it home. Okay, I've got some dice, I'll, I'll do something with that one day. And it, it's kind of a parallel existence to what I do with my, my lead minis or what some of you might do with your lead minis. You know, you, you, you buy them, but then you don't, you don't use them right away. And I'm just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm casting my eye around to some of my other dice. And some of them really do bring back some, some, some start stark memories you know all, all very good memories but you know i've had i've had some of these for a very long time you know as i've indicated i started gaming back in the 80s and they've been with me through a lot you know i've, I've played games with them they've traveled with me you know from 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 country to country city to city and um i, I can see one die now it's 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 a d4 it's a heavy plastic d4 or a, probably a cheap plastic D4. And I vividly remember getting these. It, it, they, I think it was a set of two. They actually came on a sprue, if you can believe that. They came in a blister pack on a sprue. In fact, the kind of sprue mark where, where I kind of twisted and snapped them off is still there on, on, on the die. I got them in a shop called Beatty's in Birkenhead on the Wirral in England. And I, and I remember going to this shop after school sometime in the, wow, Late, 80, late 86 or sometime in 1987 and it was a department store that used to sell role-playing games and it was great I mean that, that for me was one of the high points of, of, of the hobby you know you could go into a store which nominally sold clothes food food processing machines fridges TVs but there was also a corner that sold role-playing games and dice and I remember yeah I got some d4s there I have no idea what the name of the company was, but they were on a sprue. I did split them off and I had to color them with pencils because the numbers, they, you know, they, they were numeric numbers. They weren't pips. And I had to kind of fill that in with a, with, with a dark crown. And some of that crown is still in there, although it's possible I might have kind of refilled them in over the years. Anyway, that's just a wonderful memory. In fact, the, the same day I got those dice, I also got some old Games Workshop uh, lead minis. And these were the pre-slotter base minis where they were just on this kind of stand of, of lead. And I remember getting some kind of thief character. And again, as I got the thief character and the dice, I was thinking to myself, okay, actually, you know what? I'm having a total recall. Oh my God, let me hold on to the floor before I fall off. I think the reason I got the D4 was to generate his hit points and to uh, do the damage whenever he struck with his dagger. You know, they 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 absolutely they absolutely went hand in hand. I have no idea what happened to that um, to that mini. He was lost to the ages, but I do remember he was painted abysmally. He was really badly painted. He, I'm trying to think what he was. He looked like he was kind of dressed as per a Renaissance rogue or or scoundrel. You know, he had the kind of billowing trousers or pantaloons, and he looked like Rowan Atkinson's Blackadder, the second character, the one set in the Elizabethan era. 
but my painting skills back then were abysmal. He might have only been in the first 10 minis I ever painted. And I just remember his eyes were these huge red blobs. You know, I didn't have a very, I didn't have a very fine brush then, and I just kind of splodge these red things on his eyes. But anyway, he's, he's gone. But the point being, I bought that D4 and looking at it and remembering when I bought it, how I bought it, what I bought it for what, and what its intended use was going to be. And you know, it's just, it's quite powerful when I, when I think about, when I think about this. You know, and I'm just looking, looking again at, at some others. I mean, you know, I got those on holiday in the town of Lincoln. I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at these things and you'll have to take my word that I am looking at dice. I'm not in a, in a plain room or, or a padded cell. And then an, another set of dice that really kind of bring back strong memories are the first set of D6s I ever bought for Traveller because I think Traveller was possibly the second role-playing game I ever bought. And I have to say, I was a bit let down by it. A, it only had D6s. You know, I quite liked D&D because it had all these weird, funny dice. And I've, I've heard it said before that other people also liked it for the same reasons. But anyway, Traveller was a bit disappointing because I thought, oh, D6, it only, only comes with D6s, what? And also the rule book, I, you know, I, I got the, uh, the boxed set with those very kind of sterile, almost textbook-like rules. And I know I'm, I'm underselling the game. I know now it's a great game, but back then I thought, oh, this is really dull. You know, where's all the, the pictures of laser combat and, you know, people fighting with light swords or lightsabers? You know. Anyway, I remember sometime in early 1986, I think it was Easter time, I, I was living in Trinidad and I went to see my cousins in, in Caracas in Venezuela. And back then, Venezuela was gorgeous. I'm talking, you know, the, the, it, it was a nice place to visit. Now it's an extremely dangerous place to visit, which is a tragedy. And as we were leaving Venezuela to go back to Trinidad, my eyes just locked onto this, uh, this pack of D6s. They were clear red gem with, with rounded, um, rounded edges. Again, I think, I think they were 15 millimeter. Uh, with just plain white pips. And I remember getting those and the reason I wanted to get them was A, to use them with Traveller, but B, to kind of spice up my Traveller game, as if buying a new set of dice would make the game more cool and more dynamic. You know, again, I was kind of ritualizing things, but, you know, I, I got those D6s to play with Traveller. You know, I got that D4 to play, you know, to play D&D with, with that lead mini. You know, I, I, it, every dice here has a story. You know, it's, it's weird, it's crazy, it's irrational. You know, I, I'm attaching all these memories to objects, which is, you know, I guess a lot of people do, but with me, they're all, they're all in dice. They're all absolutely in dice. So, you know, getting back to my original point, dice, I think, get overlooked when it comes to the literature, discussions, you know, the general culture of wargaming. I, you know, I, I think they do. Perhaps the reason is, there might only be so much you can write about dice in a, in, in a war games magazine or a blog. And maybe there's a finite amount of words I can talk about in this podcast, but I'm just finding, I wouldn't say the words are flowing easily about this. You know, it, it's not the easiest stream of conscience podcast I've done, but the point I'm trying to make is these, these small objects I've been collecting in, in their hundreds, I've probably got a few hundred, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy, crazy, crazy obsessed dice collector. I haven't got thousands, you know, I haven't got them stacked up in gigantic aquariums all, all around my house it's nothing that weird but um i've got lots of them and there's there's no reason there's no rational reason why i should have more than say a couple dozen tops 
I mean, I must have I must have several sets of polyhedral dice. I only need one set of dice to play a D&D game or, or, or a, a role-playing game that, that um, uses polyhedral. So why do I buy several? You know, why do I buy loads and loads of D6s to, um, to play war games? You know, I, I can just make do with the, the really standard little D6s I've, I've got for my, uh, for my Warhammer games. Or rather, I, you know what, I don't even know how I got those little pip dices. I think I got them in a... Yeah, sorry. I've just had another recall. The, uh, the little dice... Let me, get, let me get them over. These were the dice. I think they came with the Battle of Macragsa I was talking about last week. These are the white... Let me, let me measure them. They are just over... I think they're, I think they're 10 millimeter dice. Rounded edge. Yeah, I think they came with my... Uh, that Battle of Macragg set I got, I was telling you about last week, or sorry, last last podcast. Uh, the point being, that one set is good enough for all my all my wargaming needs, to be honest. I could play Black Powder, I could play The Kings Who Would Be Men, I could play Warhammer with that one set. And in fact, you know, going back into the history of my dice collection, you know, um, that of course is not the only D6 set I've got. I'm, I've, you know, I've, I've had loads of them. In fact, I can't remember I'm trying to think how I used to play Warhammer the first time I played it. Because even though the first, sorry, the second edition of Warhammer does require the full set of polyhedral dice, I didn't really use them that much. I only used, used the D12 or the D20 for the, uh, the the goblin, was it the goblin zeal, the guys with the, with, with the ball and chain who would swing around and, and then go off in some crazy direction. I can't remember where I had those D6s from. I must have had a few from somewhere. Obviously, I must have had a few from my... Uh, my my role-playing games and my traveler set but uh i don't consciously remember buying a load of d6s for my initial wargaming that's interesting and also my avalon hill games they used to come with a single little d6 usually, usually square not rounded i remember my uh, wooden ships and iron men still has its little d6 in it you know the, so they, they all came with D6s, but I've, I've kept those in the boxes more or less. And also I remember talking of D6s, I just kind of almost faded off there for a minute I was, as I was trying to figure out how I played Warhammer and what I was using. But um, when I got heavily into fighting fantasy as a kid, I would have, I don't know where, again, I don't know where I got these D6s from, but I, but I must have got them from somewhere. And they, and they most definitely were not from my D&D dice set because they were really small plain d6s that i must have got from a monopoly set or something because i vividly remember when i was playing uh, forest of doom first time round the two dice i were using were they were not identical one was kind of faded yellow it almost had that kind of yellow look that an older person's teeth or or rather a heavy smoker's tooth teeth look like and the, and the other one was white but i absolutely love those dice and i still have one of them i, I was going through my dice collection last week and i I looked at that little off-white kind of amber die and I went, oh yeah, I remember playing fighting fantasy with that back in 1985. You know, again, total recall right there and then. Just talking about kind of ritualizing dice dice buying, I have a, a lovely set of, of D6s I got in a gorgeous Bavarian town. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's called Altkirk or Altkirch in Im Algo, Algau. I'm not sure if it's Bavaria or right on the border, but it's a gorgeous place, very close to uh, Lake Constance or the Bodensee, as they call it in German. And I, I went to a game store. You know, my kids were looking at all the little toys, and I think I think we we treated our younger daughter by getting her a 
one of those balance bike thingies but of course i locked onto the dice rack there was a carousel full of dice and i bought a gorgeous um kind of swirly set of dice but they're all different colors just um 66s in a nice little package and i remember thinking to myself okay i'm going to use those to play dragon rampant with because i was you know just kind of flipping through dragon rampant around, around that time and then i also got a uh, a fantasy dice set which i just thought okay I'll, I'll probably use that with with fifth edition if i ever find anyone to play with because again around that time i was flipping through my curse of strad and storm king's thunder books so you know i was thinking to myself okay the reason i'm not playing is not because i haven't found any a gaming group no 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 it's because i haven't got the right dice so you know that kind of weird thought process goes goes around and uh, and that's it i mean I, I can just ramble on endlessly saying yes i got this dice here and it looks like this and i got that dice there and it looks like that but that would be very boring and repetitive and monotonous but that's basically what my dice mean to me you know i'll, I'll pick one up and i'll think oh, i remember getting this here i was going to do this with it and in fact just look i'm looking at two d20s now a good old d20 i have a th these are these are kind of a, a clear plastic they're not quite gem dice they're clear clear plastic what one's orange and it's full of little air bubbles. I'm not sure if that's by fault or design. And its partner in crime is, it looks black when you put it on, on a surface, but when you hold it up, it's kind of a kind of dirty gray, but it is also clear. And I got those, or rather they came from the same little uh, toy shop in Southern Hungary I mentioned. And the orange one that was bought for me very nicely by uh, a young man called Imi, who is uh, who's a friend of my daughter, and he was only about, he was, he was a young kid and he knew it like dice. And one day he just came back after the summer. He said, hey, look, I got you this. And it was, and it was great because here I have it. I'm playing with it. And then when I went back, when I went to Hungary um, in the summer, I asked to, I asked to be taken to the shop where he got the die from. And he said, yeah, it's, it's this place. And that's where I picked up um, those D6s I mentioned. And also this, um, this kind of slightly off, off gray other D20. And, as, and you can hear them rolling together. And those are dice that I use for my occasional games of Frostgrave. So again, I'm kind of saying, I'm just going to use these dice for this game. Let me put them back. So that's it, guys. Dice. Is this a weird subject? Am I talking absolute utter nonsense? I, I, I really don't know. But for me, dice is one of those pillars of my tabletop gaming. I've got my role-playing games, I've got my war games, and I've got my dice. The dice, the dice are the link. Because let's face it, you cannot play your games without dice. And, you know, also my adventure board games. You know, let, let's not forget those guys. So, you know, I, I think they're really important. I think they don't get enough attention. I think they, some of them are works of art. And they carry the same irrational emotional sensibilities as hoarding lead minis do or, or or plastic minis do you know there's there's a psychological je ne sais pas component to all this that i just can't put my finger on but hopefully you know what i mean anyway my name is tom this was the two shelves of gaming podcast and unfortunately i think i've run out of time i was going to talk about something else but that's not going to happen now so that'll just have to wait until next time but i hope you've enjoyed the show and if you're a new listener please uh, check out my back catalogue maybe there's something to tickle your fancy there take it easy and enjoy your christmas